Hello, welcome back to Flow with Flow. This is part two of my conversation with Sula and Roz from Tough Boys Collective. If you haven't listened to part one, you might want to do that, but also your life, do what you like, and I hope you enjoy part two. Sadlers, you have you have an opportunity, I guess, to hire dancers in a more paid way. Yeah, because I think for us, it's not that like we were just talking out there. We were off. We just are like also so new to the whole situation, and like like are just trying to like learn on the job constantly. We're saying every single time that we've done something in the last year or year and a half has been the first time that we've ever done it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not that we've worked with dancers recently. That's the first time we've ever worked with a dancer ever. So it'll be good at Sadler's to be supported, to like not know and be led. Because obviously when you come into the dance industry, you just have to kind of find your way and then honestly find your way through trial and error, you know? And so it'll be nice. Like it's quite a lot of pressure. We were just talking there off camera about even like this Zoom call. It's like quite a lot of pressure because we don't really know what we're talking about all the time. Like we're just trying to work it out. Red Sadlers are now also representing establishment. And I feel like we've, in a really good way, have been given platforms that have gotten slightly bigger. Very gradually. Very gradually, but we've sort of are now feeling like we have this platform. Even if it's still small, you know, people are asking us our opinions on things. And it's, it's quite a lot of pressure because we feel like we're sort of chasing the tail a little bit and it's really exciting that we keep going into new territory where we're, we feel challenged and but with that comes a level of responsibility that is you know it's it's just qu- quite difficult like we have a responsibility as choreographers to to think about the ethics of how we lead our process it can be quite daunting to think that we could actually be making mistakes and are making mistakes. And those mistakes not only affect us too, but they affect the dancers that we work with, the institutions that we're connected to. Yeah. The thing with Sadlers is definitely in being a young associate, it has many perks, but I think like being supported to understand how to book dancers and how to... um, get funds and match funds and how to organise things and create contracts and um, create manifestos and facilitate auditions, facilitate auditions, facilitate rehearsal spaces, R&Ds, marketing, press, like all of these things that we've sort of been trying to do with just intuition, which I think isn't a bad thing. You know, you just go with your gut. You think, I really want to do this and we want to make a piece of like this and we want to work with these people and market it like this. But it's just from intuition, you know, it's not necessarily from loads of sort of institutional support so that's like I'm looking forward to that to like have safety within yeah it is nice regardless of how like exciting it is leaving and graduating it is always nice to have some support network also I don't know if this is perhaps slightly controversial but in the dance industry there hasn't necessarily been in my view ethics in every situation I think it's been quite a still is very white no men seem to be training but it's led by men which is super confusing 
hundreds of dancers don't get paid. There's expectations about your body. Incredible amount of expectations, including money. You somehow have to be sort of like rich from birth to be able to even train. That's sort of shifting now and like, yeah. So it's not like you're just sort of doing this without help. You're also doing this sort of the first generation of people. That's like what I was going to say. I think that we obviously worry about doing things wrong and being viewed in this way and that way. But I think that all of those things that you mentioned, I I do believe that us as a collective and our network around us have every intention and every motivation to fundamentally change that system. Like even me, you went to Laban at 21. Like I'm like, I, I'm over this. Whoever's trained the longest and spent the most money gets the job. Yes. So at who's knew, who you knew when you were 12. Okay, well, the people that I knew when I was 12 was, are not really on me on the Saddle's Dove stage. That's the end of that. And I think, like, I, like we have motivation from different areas. All different people, you know, our friends are all all different and in different um, parts of the dance sector, whether it be performance art, commercial, whatever. And we're sort of recognising that. And so I, I think that there's a worry on one hand of doing things correctly and in motivation and confidence on the other hand that what we want to do is in the right direction. We want always for there to be codes of conduct and ethics and um, like opening up opportunities and trying to like open our, our minds as well. Because we all, as dancers, as much as we can recognize the biases, we also have them all. You know, like we've been inside of the institution at least enough to get into lab in Northern, the place from Berkeley, you know, like we are already in those like we were the product that was able to be accepted within this this kind of flawed structure. So it's just knowing that like whatever we believe to be important, kind of hold on to that and then say that loudly to the people that need to hear it. And then that's what gains traction. And like we know as queer people, we talk about queerness a lot in our work and we feel that it's very important to have like queer visibility, queer visibility in a way that's honest rather than that's in like sort of performative or, or kind of platforming a stereotype. Um, but we also need to be like, like we also are continuously like, but we are in Sadler's like being listened to and we're a very sort of consumable, conventional kind of image. And then, and then we're talking on, for example, trans rights and we just always need to be reconnecting to the sort of roots of that and the true struggle that we can only, uh, we can only think of, you know, we can only give thought to, we could never imagine how it actually feels and so then listening to other people's voices and letting them inform you and not speaking on behalf of but always keeping an open dialogue with all different people or thinking about you know because also there's only so much that you can do and you could we we sort of sometimes get into a bit of a like oh i can't believe that we are talking about queerness and you know and then i'm like we are even people and snowball and like these questions around ethics and privilege and you can like sort of over think it and question it in a really positive and sort of constructive challenging way and then also just deep it to a point where you're actually fearful yeah yeah exactly and so I think that it's like you have to have a open mind and be self-aware as you navigate like entering the dance industry but also not let that paralyze you because it's it's really I don't know if this is like a shared experience or just my experience, but when you're making a piece that's very personal, but you know it, like it affects people less privileged than me a lot more. I'm making a piece 
and it has a very emotional connection to me but equally I'm trying to bring other people into the conversation and that's actually something that's quite hard to navigate like I don't want to speak just from my experiences when I'm making art like that like I want to have a group of voices but also when you're in the dance industry there isn't that much diversity to hear from. Yeah I find I've got a similar experience with that I did in my dissertation at Labin on working classness and basically how my working class heritage and my working class upbringing has affected my perspective on art and given me like a sort of unique perspective on you know everyone's got the unique perspective but mine is very shaped by the media the landscape the people that I could, that I interacted with and consumed as a young person and how I don't necessarily feel that that perspective and that viewpoint is relayed I don't see a lot of art that looks like what I understand and the context that I have now I as I said live in central London 10 minutes away from my school and like I live a very privileged life so that there was this sort of conundrum as to like feeling honestly really embossedy and feeling very voyeuristic around what I was talking about and I think yes number one transparency and number two is like research I felt like obviously mine was a it was a mixed mode piece so I did a 5,000 word piece of writing and then an exhibition um, but I really had to like you need to have strength in your voice so I researched heavily like into what I believe working class is to be what it is related to and not related to wealth what it is culturally there's many absolutely amazing writers and and researchers that talk about working classness as a culture and kind of explain it in a way that I could never, you know, be like, I completely understand that and look at, you know, speak to the people in my life that I grew up with, people in my family, my my mum, my sister, my sister's boyfriend, everything like that. And then know that I understand the concept that I'm talking about. And I've been obviously writing in my dissertation, but I've found that to be powerful. Like I understood my working classness or my working class heritage. And I understood what that meant to me. When we talk about queerness in our work, we obviously do it always through phenomenology, like through our phenomenological perspective, things that we've experienced and the way that we feel. And we know that there's power within that and talking about non-binaryness as a non-binary person. Mm-hmm. I can only talk about my body, but I know that that represents, but I also know that, I'm, as you say, I'm only talking on behalf of me. And if you present something which is really specific and authentic to what you want to say, it becomes a signifier. It becomes a signifier and then people will resonate with it or not. Actually, talking about making pieces, so there's three of you in the collective and you make quite like personal work that means something to you. How do you navigate having three dancers and still making work like that? Because I do find it quite difficult to share my work with other people, share my ideas with other people. That's quite a daunting experience. So actually like, creating it as a three like how do you how do you do that I think it's something that it's been a learning process definitely and I think that we're getting better and better at it at combining ideas and sort of combining or fleshing and sharing ideas out um I think that something that I see for us is that we've really began to develop a collective voice it's not that yeah as much as we all have our own perspectives on art and our own perspectives and ideas about what we want to create when we create as a collective we sort of bring together our three individual minds with our individual context and individual lives 
to create a tone or a language which lives somewhere between us. Um, but that's taken a lot of work. There's been times where we've tried to make things. I think when we first started creating work, we're so focused on making it an equal space where all of our ideas were shared and valued equally that the the work it was a bit disingenuous and it wasn't as sort of grounded as, as it could have been yeah it's a humbleness honestly yeah. like at the end of the day ideas are ideas they have more or less value in different settings you know something that you're thinking does it is maybe great but it's not right for this moment or or it doesn't work it works between us but it doesn't work with dancer you know it's it's also humbleness and understanding that um if you understand the collective vision of the vibe of the work, if someone's having a moment where they're like, oh, I think this is right, then go for it, you know, go for it and know that your your artistic voice is valued because I also think that there's something about valuing each other always, but also it being an unspoken thing, you don't have, you don't have to turn around always and be like, well, I'll, I'll teach for half an hour and then you teach for half an hour. Like, that's just not going to work, you know? It's like understanding that as long as we work together, and we put work into it behind the scenes. Whatever happens in the studio, it has the, that has the groundwork. Yeah, you know. And I think we work with each other because we value each other's artistic voice and we trust each other in terms of how I trust Roseanne's process as well. I value their ideas and then I trust the way that they work in the studio. Um, and sort of all of the other branches that come with being a freelancer. And so then, therefore, we can go forward and work together because sort of whatever you offer I've seen the groundwork of how you've come to these ideas and yeah I think that collaborating with people is very valuable but it does take a lot of trust and a lot of ridding your ego <laughs> yes totally I want to look good in this moment I want this bit to be interesting I want everyone to read that this is Roseanne's moment like you have to just like that is over like do you know what I mean? Like, we know that if we put a piece forward with tough boys, people wouldn't necessarily know even what we look like. No. And there is a lot of like, oh, Roseanne made this work and Roseanne looks like this and acts like this and wear these clothes. Like, we have to just be like, it's not about that. And actually, sometimes that's like hard, you know? You want to be like, oh, like, like you know, Sadler's Rails and they post all and like you have an idea of what each, each one looks like and then there's three of us. Like, that's, like, it is that. But then you have to go... But what is the purpose that I'm making this work? You know, am I making it so that everyone knows what I look like and likes my trainers? No. no. Like, and if that is the reason, especially especially when we're dancing in the works too. Yeah. Because then you want to look good. You want to be doing movement that you're good at. And you have to think, like, I am here to be a part of this process and talk about something that I think is important. We don't, we're not like also these like selfless, like, no, anybody just put anything into the space and we'll work with it. Like, there does need to be that level of, that you commit to your ideas and that you're confident and that you pitch yourself, but then you also give loads of space for other people to do so. Something that we use as a sort of, um, we always mention this whenever we're talking about a practice to anyone, is we really hold on to formality. Yes. In an extreme way. So when we go into rehearsals, whether it's just me and Sula or me and Sula and Days or me and Sula and Days and, and 10 dancers and two musicians and a photographer, we do check-in circles and we set the agenda for the work, for what we're doing that day. We work out what we want to share with people and what we don't. You know, with choreography, you have to also be thoughtful not to tell your dancers everything. And So there's just something about formality 
we meet usually when we have rehearsals we have one day or two days of rehearsals with no dancers where we work out what it is that we're trying to talk about then we plan the rehearsals then we do the rehearsals then we always have an hour after to debrief the rehearsal because we're separate people you know like so we like the, sometimes the, the way that you want to go is exactly the way I want to go and sometimes you're literally the polar opposite like it makes the work more complex and it makes it more fully fleshed but we always hold on to this formality for example usually when we're doing choreography I'll count and it's not because you guys don't know the counts it's because we can't all then sit there as a three and count at the dances yeah. you know like it's just like kind of working at the rhythm and it and it being an egoless situation in that sense trying to be an egoless situation working towards what do you look for in a dancer do you look for someone that's also going to give their opinion or do you look for just a body that you think you can work with do you look for people that you yeah. think you're friends with like what is it that you want I think that it's definitely a, a, a combination of things we definitely want always people who like are going to offer we want it to always feel as much as possible now again we're the choreographers so it is it's never you know there's always going to be that unspoken thing but we want it to be a sense that the room is creating the work and we are guiding the room Matt's saying I said this in our workshop that they were like I I like conduct the space I like allow people to do what they're doing and kind of conduct the whole space everything we try and do that we we don't only work with our friends but we do look for people who enthusiastic and and give a certain energy and there's a certain level of confidence that we're interested in that isn't arrogance it's actually got nothing to do with how confident you are in the room but it's a performative thing that we that we're quite interested in right now because yeah. i feel like contemporary's got a very specific way of being performed and what is deemed as confident and what isn't and then both of us come from different realms and we work in the hip-hop theatre realm as well in terms of as performers and there's just something about um something about like queerness and queer performance that's like there's like a power to it and and we like a deliberate sense of performance I think the contemporary performance that you're referring to is there's a, a lot of uh a shyness that like a performed shyness though which is stunning yeah it's it gorgeous because also every single time we make a work is different but right now what we're looking at is like yeah something about performativity but that definitely lies in playfulness as well and you need to number one be playful the same way that we are you know just whatever and also have the ability to hold safe space to allow other people to be but some people are that but they don't always feel able to be and I think that that's important that we we make space. So we do it in class as well. Make space where we try and make it fun and, and make it engaging and, and push people out of their um, comfort zone without crossing their boundaries. And we think that it's important that other people are capable of that too. Of yes. course, playing with each other as a way of pushing rather than pushing out of boundaries. Finding that balance between choreographer and dancer and where you stand and trying to have every voice heard in a situation where there is a natural hierarchy. Um, I mean, for someone that's like just, you know, going to graduate relatively soon, other people that are going to graduate, like what would be your, just a sort of final, final words of wisdom? I think that the hierarchical structures within the year groups dissipate immediately. Mm -hmm. They do not last. They truly do not last. And some people are amazing in school and are absolutely amazing and phenomenal and unstoppable their entire career. And then they become a great success and tour the world. 
that that happens and it also happens for people who didn't do as well or or didn't or weren't able to thrive in a certain subject or that now that we don't do certain techniques in school we're better at them I find that I'm better at release now that I'm not in a class where there's certain people that are amazing at release you know like now my release technique is better similar with yours like like I think it's just those structures of course when you graduate you're going to feel like you sit in a certain point oh well I'm quite good at this and I'm not so good at that and these things just very quickly sort of like people come back from their postgrads some people loved it some people didn't love it some people loved some of it and then we all just sort of fall back into this flow you know of trying to find ourselves and trying to find the dance styles that we like and trying to find the the jobs that we like and don't like. like it all just sort of evens itself out. I think that the sort of piece of advice I would give to someone graduating is just to trust. I know it, it, it's been said a million times, but like trust the process and trust that there is not one way to be a dance artist there's there's literally no clear route there's no clear path unless you are that one in a million person that goes from a b c d you know great training into a cat scheme into nydc into the best school into the postgrad the postgrad and then into the main company in the tour that happens good for you but that for most people is not the reality and that doesn't mean that you've failed Actually, there's a, succeeded there's a lot of pressure for that that path or a path that looks very similar to that to be the sort of way to succeed in dance and then you realize when you graduate that there's everyone else that didn't do that path but is a successful creative fulfilled financially financially stable artist that's working in the industry and has like found their own way you know like what I think also within that trust the process and trust that there's not one journey and also generally the thing that you're interested in is the thing you should do if you enjoy doing something and you like it do that more because chances are you're good at it and you like it and like so you'll want to do it for it you know be like oh I'm a dancer like if you do flamenco and you're good at it and if you go every week and you've done it since you're five then say it you know, like we did choreography, we're like, yeah, we're choreographers. Like, I liked choreography at oh. lab. <laughs> so then I went around and told everyone I was a choreographer. And like, do you know what I mean? Like, you just like say it with chess. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a really interesting conversation. It's been a pleasure. And I hope you have a really nice evening. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Flow with Flow. Episodes will be out weekly. And you can find out more on the Instagram Flossy, 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 spelt F L O. SSI. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you have a lovely week.